Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podfinite Cast. My name is Adam, and today we are going to be talking about something that I'm quite excited about. Uh, we're going to be getting into sort of the core territory of uh, Podfinite Cast, um, getting into the uh, idiosyncrasy that uh, makes up our, our core concept here. So, um, Podfinite Cast, what we're interested in is... Um, talking about and uh, get, providing our uh, own unique takes on things from, you know, w whether that's uh, politics, philosophy, religion, science, art, whatever. Um, there are a million other podcasts out there where you can find a rundown or uh, sort of a um, orthodox critical analysis of, of whatever you're interested in, right? Um, but what we're going to be talking about uh, instead, and what we're kind of interested in doing is providing it from our own perspective because we think that you know everyone has um, in interesting things to say or a, a good contribution to add, um, especially if you're if you're just trying to do that instead of trying to um, bring in a lot of other things that other people have said about something. And that's really going to come through today because what we're, I'm going to be talking about. Fortunately, Sana is not with us uh, um, today, but what I'm going to be talking about is a portrait of the artist as a young man, the novel by James Joyce. Now, and, and why why do I consider talking about this to be um, <clears throat> sort of uh, really getting to the heart of the, our uh, idiosyncratic philosophy here? Well, uh, that that's because I have no formal background in literature. I haven't taken any uh, university courses on it. I haven't, you know, really read a lot of uh, criticism of this book or any book. Um, and uh, in fact, all I know about literature is just from, you know, re reading books. So um, what I'm going to be talking about are my own impressions of it, uh, which are hopefully going to be isolated from other people and other thoughts and stuff. So there may be a lot of overlap with what other people have said about the book, but hopefully um, uh, my, my own personal uh, th thoughts um, will will be able to be uh, expressed here and uh, not 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 tainted in any other way by what what other people have said maybe may sort of coming in and contaminating that um, and and that's really what we're ho hoping to do at Podfinite cast for wh whatever we're talking about whether we're talking about um, uh, religion in Finland or we're talking about uh, philosophy or you know in, in uh, today we're talking about literature uh, we hope to be able to provide a, um, a our own unique take on things, whether that's myself or uh, Sana or um, any of the other contributors that we are going to uh, get into Podfinite Cast. So, um, uh, again, just just keep in mind, I'm not a literature expert, and if you want a rundown of the sort of orthodox takes, views, criticisms of a portrait of the artist as a young man, um, I'm sure there are many other podcasts that talk about this because this is a fairly um, uh, groundbreaking big uh novel in in the literary landscape especially the modernist landscape uh just a brief background so you know what i'm talking about a uh, portrait of the artist as a young man is uh, james joyce's debut novel believe it or not this is the first novel he ever published um published in 1916 it is highly autobiographical and follows the childhood and young adulthood of joyce's alter ego uh stephen his last name um, is uh, I, I, I do not know how to say it. I even tried to look this up and um, I couldn't find a clear answer on this. Um, uh, uh, Daedalus, 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 um, not quite sure how to pronounce it, especially because it is the Latinization of a Greek name 
which is then um, in, uh, you know, in the world of uh, late 19th century Ireland said by a, you know, early 21st century American. So I don't know if it is possible in that position to say it right. Um, the closest you could do is say it orthodox. And I have, I have no idea what the orthodox pronunciation of that is. I have some sort of uh, contribution to that. Maybe uh, tweet at me. But uh, yeah, so I'm just going to stick to calling him Stephen. Uh, it's uh, set primarily in Dublin um, and uh, other parts of Ireland, but um, mostly in Dublin. Um, it's uh, episodic. Uh, we understand, uh, we get to learn and understand Stephen Joyce, Stephen slash James Joyce's uh, young life throughout a series of snapshots or portraits, uh, portraits um, uh, in, in time. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a collection of events that are um, really key in uh, understanding the um, the intellectual uh, and um, emotional development of uh, of Stephen slash James Joyce. Um, it is uh, widely considered to be a modernist masterpiece and one of the greatest novels of all time. Um, now, you know James Joyce also wrote Ulysses, which is widely regarded to be the greatest novel of all time. Uh, but uh, a portrait of the artist as a young man is still up there especially if you're um, limiting your discussion to modernist novels now i read this um my, my plan is just to go through james joyce eventually so i i've read ulysses a bit maybe not super seriously um uh, but i'm going to go back and read that eventually but uh, i read this not really knowing what to expect and i was absolutely blown away by how obscenely good it is this there's this book is nuts it's about 300 pages so it's not particularly long but what james joyce does in this what he accomplishes all of the levels of it which you know i'm sure i'm not going to hit most of them i'm just going to hit the ones that really jumped out at me but this is so i cannot overstate how good of a novel this is um how well done done it is um it's just really good. And when you when, when you read something like this, you look and you think, you know, in, in my entire life, I will never be able to accomplish anything even remotely close to, to this sort of quality. It is just um, astonishing how good this is. I, again, I cannot exaggerate um, the the impact of this novel, but just just how good it is. Um, now, I'm going to be talking about that a bit. Um, I'm going to be splitting this up into sort of two main discussions of, of what struck me. I'm going to talk about um, uh, just uh, ge general points about uh, about the book as a whole, and then I'm going to talk about a few um, specific episodes in it that, that really stood out to me. Um, oh, also apologizes for background noise. Um, apologies for background noise. <laughs> yes, uh, Adam apologizes for background noise today because there seems to be more background noise coming in than usual. I'm not quite sure what's up with that. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, if, if, you, if you bear with me here, um, I promise I will do my best to make it worth your while. Hopefully sell you <clears throat> on the idea of, uh, of reading this also, if, if you haven't done it. Um, Ulysses gets most of the attention, I think. Um, and then, you know, Finnegan's Wake is just known as being absurd in terms of readability. But uh, so, so it has that going for it. But, I, but this, you, you, you really need to check this out. Um, I'd recommend every, every, everyone read this. Okay, so uh, first, yeah, this is an absolute modernist masterpiece. Um, the, the first thing that really jumps, at you, jumps out at you when reading James Joyce or reading this specifically is that he ha it's, it's written as a third-person narrative, 
that um, f is very fluid in shifting between um, uh, the an objective narration and a subjective narration, right? Because it's it's written as third person and it's you know describing what uh, Stephen does and um, you know just uh, all, all of these things, uh, whatever going is going on. But it uh, will often shift um, very smoothly uh, to uh, uh, his own you know subjective um, in internal monologue almost you know something. You know, so something something will happen, and there'll just be an objective description of it, and then the next sentence will be his subjective internal reaction to it, or something like that. And at first, it's a bit um, confusing, or it might be a little disorienting because you're trying to figure out exactly who's saying or what or what's going on. But once you sort of um, become accustomed to it, it is a really, really interesting and, and I think a really rewarding way to write a novel because. Um, you know, you're not saying like, you know, oh, Stephen did this and this and this, and this is what he thought. Instead, you, um, you know, you, you say Stephen did this and this and this, and then you just write his, his thoughts. And um, as far as I understand, James Joyce is not the, the first person to, to do this and to sort of bring the, um, uh, the, the sort of the, the stream of consciousness elements into it. But uh, nonetheless, it is, it, it, it is very good. And, and I'm absolutely blown away by um, the approach, not only that, that it's successful, right? Because just when you say it aloud, it, it seems kind of wonky um, and, you know, that it may not have great impact, but it has a tremendous impact. And I'm, I'm really impressed by it. I, I wish that, they, that more people would write books like that. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's really good. Um, I, I, uh, I, I really like it. I really enjoy it, especially once you get used to it. Um, the, uh, the, the feel of the novel is in incredibly rich. Uh, because of it. It has, has a great feel. It has a unique feel to it. Um, and the other thing that goes along with that is that the narrative ages with Stephen, right? So you're, you're following him through childhood um, into young adulthood. And um, the, uh, the sub, what, what's, what's most noticeable is that the subjective uh, tone and the the, the, the qual just not not quality in the sense of good or bad, but the quality in the sense of the nature, the, the subjective nature, the, the feel of the of the subjective bits, um, definitely age up with him, right? You know when when he's uh, um, you know when he's a young child at school and you know someone pushes him in a ditch or something, uh, you know he ha has a very sort of childlike response uh, to this, and you know like you know why he did this or like the kids are teasing, like the kids ask if he kisses his mother, um, which is a recurring thing. Um, they ask if he kisses his mother and he says, yes, they make fun of him for it. He says, oh no, I don't. They make fun of him for not. And, uh, he's, you know, very confused about what the right answer is. And, um, and, and that, that's expressed very well. Um, and then as, as he gets older, the, the, the tone and the quality of, um, his, uh, his internal thoughts, his internal life, uh, age up with him, right? That, that's, that's fairly noticeable and it's, it's accomplished extraordinarily well. I mean, it's, you know, it, it may seem, it's, it's rather mundane as far as some of the stuff that's going on in here, uh, but it's accomplished, um, absolutely perfectly. Um, especially with, uh, the younger child, uh, James Joyce does an incredibly good job of capturing, um, the, uh, the inner monologue and the, the uh, the internal, uh, mental states of, of, of a child, um, even though it's, you know, more or less child James Joyce, it's still incredibly impressive what he's able to do and then gradually age that up as, uh, as time goes on. Um, what's less noticeable is, um, and as, as far as I can tell at least, the objective narrative also seems to age up. And um, what, what struck me about this is that, uh, you know, spoiler alert, yeah, um, 
uh, Stephen's dad slash James Royce's dad is, is an alcoholic and um, they have, you know, problems with his childhood, you know, moving around um, a lot, uh, you know, have, having to leave one school because he can't afford to go to it anymore and then getting into another one basically on a special tuition free arrangement, um, th th these sorts of things. Um, and a as he ages up, you know, it becomes more straightforward and more explicit with the his father's alcoholism and financial problems and all of that. Um, and uh, and it's not just in you know how how um, the uh, subjective internal reaction to that, but also just the uh, objective description of it, right? And in in parts where you know you can't um, discernibly see any subjectivity, um, the descriptions are still um, objectively uh, they're tied to the, the the particular time frame that that Stephen is going right. You know, it's like when he's a young child and doesn't quite understand alcoholism or the family's predicament or anything like that you don't have a sentence where it says oh his dad is an alcoholic or something like that um and and i think that's a really that's a really neat and a really subtle way <clears throat> to um maintain this uh this um tone uh of uh the particular age of uh, of stephen where wherever they are um where you know not not only is subjectively he aging up but the sort of objective information that is available to us slash him um is uh is a function of his age and uh I, I i really dug that when i noticed it uh let's see uh what else okay the way that it's written and this is something that one one of the first things that jumped out to me is the way that it's written is absolutely beautiful it, it is um poetry arranged in uh in a prose format right or, or, or telling a novel uh, the story of a novel. Um, it, it, I, I would challenge you to just pick up the book and flip to any random sentence and and read it. Like th this is, um, I, I just flipped to it. This, this is page one fifteen in in mine, which is the uh, which is the um, let's see the, the Penguin Modern Classics bought bought in the UK. Um, so I, just this is the first sentence that I flipped to. A little wave of quiet mirth broke forth over the class of boys from the rector's grim smile. Yeah, it's it's impossible to find any any sentence in here that isn't absolutely beautifully constructed, but um, not but also just beautiful. And the every sentence is poetry, and this entire thing is it it really is poetry. Um, it, the the way that's written is absolutely gorgeous. But what's more impressive is that it's never feels like a distraction or it never feels like a burden. And it certainly doesn't feel like um, it uh, it hinders the story or or it limits it to you know feeling like an epic poem or something like that. Um, uh, it it is very much a novel first and foremost, but a novel with uh, every sentence um, that is you know seemingly you know poetic, uh, and, and that's something that I really like about it. And you know when I'm just you know when you go through it and you read it and you read some of these lines, you think I, I could never possibly write something that 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 sounds as as beautiful as that and uh just his not only his writing style in terms of the uh you know the overall third person objective subjective um fluid situation there but just uh, the beauty that he imparts into every single sentence and the the way that it's constructed and the way that it's uh that, that everything is laid out works incredibly well and is incredibly 
beautiful. So just from that perspective, even if you're not talking about anything thematic, you're not talking about um, anything from a, a, a deeper literary standpoint, it is just written absolutely beautifully. And, you know, it's, you know, uh, de definitely not like, you know, a, a John Lennon song that's that's written beautifully, but then has really little meaning to it. But um, it, it does have that level of you can even without appreciating the meaning or appreciate anything, you know, deeper literary accomplishment, accomplishments, whatever, you can just read it and appreciate the beauty, the beauty of the poetry in the words. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Now, um, another thing that really jumps out to you when you read this is that James Joyce knows his stuff. Uh, he, this, this is an incredibly gifted and incredibly brilliant student, uh, James Joyce. Um, and he he really knows what's going on um uh uh whether that be in catholic doctrine uh, classics latin literature poetry all of that um it's, it's clear that he he really knows his shit and uh it, it is a real joy to just sort of see the world through his eyes and to sort of bask in, in the intellectual glow uh, of um james joyce's writing but also just his um his his set of knowledge right um and uh especially reading it the 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 version that i have has um hundreds and hundreds of end notes that are just explaining different things or, or filling out different bits of information that uh you know um that joyce would be playing on or um working with but may not be obvious to a a modern reader or be um you know someone who isn't james joyce so uh especially you know just you know having you know your thumb and the end notes and every time you know you get one you're flipping it and and realizing just the the depth that that is put into this and the level all the different levels that um that he's working with and just uh the the wealth the incredible wealth of information that he's drawing from and, and pumping into this uh and into this fairly short novel is, is really breathtaking um and it, it, it's it's incredibly impressive the the way that he does it and again the way that he um the way that he fits it in it, it, that it always feels natural right it does it doesn't feel like he's cramming it in something like reading a book like infinite jest um there are parts with you know um sort of technical bits um you know pieces of information you know um esoterica whatever uh that david foster wallace puts in that feel sort of forced and they feel like they're they're really jammed in there um now i'm not necessarily saying that that's you know that that that's a mistake or that wasn't his intention um i, I think you know i'd actually have to go back and look at these specific instances that, that, that i'm thinking of um to determine whether or not i feel like that was intentional and i feel if that serves the novel or if that was just him kind of trying to you know just, just cram a, a little bit too much <laughs> into one of the uh densest uh longest novels of all time right but um, with a portrait of the artist as a young man, it never feels like any of these little tidbits, bits of information are jammed in or forced or out of place. And a lot of them, you know, you completely miss, I, I would have missed, you know, the vast majority of, of it if, if I, um, wasn't a paying attention and B, uh, reading all, all of the end notes and, you know, kind of, kind of keeping, keeping track of these different things. Um, but, uh, it, um, it, it serves the novel very well, but it doesn't feel out of place at all. Um, sort of like, uh, his writing style or, or the, the poetry of, of the words and, uh, and of the sentences, um, it all works and it all contributes to it, but it never feels like it is distracting or taking away from, 
the 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 overall story and the overall piece. It, it, it's all a contribution. It's all another layer that you can look at and see and appreciate, without um, with, with, without uh, any one distracting from the other or pulling attention away or certainly feeling out of place. Um, with something like this, it seems like it would have been very easy to try to cram all this stuff in and then have one or multiple levels that uh, that feel out of place or distracting. Um, and that's not at all the, the impression that I, that, that I got from it. Um, yeah, and also it's just great to learn stuff, right? Uh, um, if you're interested in, um, you, you know, he, he's got a lot of great Catholic doctrine stuff in there. Um, I feel like I probably, if, if I knew Latin, I probably feel like I'd, I'd get a little more out of this. Um, and, and then also just um, <clears throat> Irish politics and uh, Irish, um, uh, Irish uh, culture in, in general. Um, uh, the, the Irish identity um, around the the turn of the uh, 20th century. Uh, the, there's there's a lot that you can just learn and reading from this uh, pick up on. Now, obviously, that's not the primary reason that you should read this, or that's not the primary thing going on. But it's just it's just a nice thing that you can look in. You know, especially with an annotated version, uh, you you can go in and there's there's a lot that you can gain um, just from uh, knowledge that James Joyce had and put into it. You you, you can you know draw draw out uh, from that. Um, uh, some, something that I learned is that, uh, in the, uh, the late 19th century, um, what's up? What was, was a thing. I, I, I always thought of that as being a much more recent, um, uh, invention. Um, but, uh, apparently a, as early as the, uh, the late 1800s, people were saying what's up. Uh, and, uh, also people were using the da dad joke, uh, the sky, Actually, I can't remember if it's the sky or the ceiling, one, one of those two. Um, I, I'll probably have to go back and find that eventually. But yeah, that's that's in there. Um, uh, an, another general thing that, that is, is that I really like about A Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man um, is the, uh, the relatability and, and the timelessness of the story. Uh, the, the story is of, you know, Stephen slash James Joyce um, as a young man growing up um, and getting to the point where he's able to sort of be his own independent person. And a lot of that comes from, um, you know, uh, uh, re ultimately re rejecting um, uh, Catholicism and, you know, strict uh, uh, religiosity, um, uh, ha having a lot of problems with Irish culture and uh, Ireland, um, uh, just becoming his own person. And then ultimately at the end, uh, he, you know, it embarks off to uh, to the European continent, um, and uh, the, the just the story of you know the coming of age story, you know, growing up, becoming your own person, rejecting the belief structures of your youth, those sorts of things, um, are are really timeless, and um, th that's something that we can all relate to, right? Um, uh, we we we've all been there. We we've all had to um, uh, you know decide uh, figure out who we are ourselves and what we want to retain from the way we were raised, what we want to reject, those sorts of things. And um, uh, and uh, Stephen in A Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man is no different than that. Um, and, uh, see, and um, you know, re reading his story, it's something that we can all look back on and relate to this sort of gradual becoming of one's own self. And uh, that, that's something that's, uh, uh, that's absolutely timeless about the, the story. There's... Um, you know, there's no one who cannot re relate to the story of 
growing up and becoming your own person and you know re realizing that maybe everything that uh your parents taught you or that, that you learned at school um was what was, was true um uh other things uh romantic rejection um steven uh undergoes uh, has a um is rejected romantically and is a complete b-hole about it um and it doesn't uh doesn't handle it very well very smoothly and you know ha handles it like basically a teenager um and uh you know just looking at that and reading that you can you can see yep yeah that's uh that, that's still people are still little b-holes about it today and pe people are still weird and uh um ha have a hard time get, getting over things and uh dwell upon stuff when they should just probably move on um then that, that's another uh, great great timeless aspect to it that uh that that I'm sure most people can relate to. Um, another one, lack of certainty about his uh, direction in life. Um, there, there's there, there's one part where um, Stephen uh, is um, uh, he, he goes to a to a Catholic school, right? And um, uh, I can't remember, like you know, the head of the the school or you know someone you know comes up to him and says, you know, we uh, um, normally you know we take one or two people ever you know every class or whatever, and uh, and uh, you know see that you know they they um they, they'd make good priests and you know they join the order and all of that and become you know uh, join become uh, catholic priests um and uh and um stephen you know dwells upon this and thinks it over and it's something that he's um all sort of in the back of his head always wanted to do and as he's thinking about it you know he finds it really attractive and really appealing uh but he ultimately decides not to and then uh after the fact um is sort of unsure or not sort of but he's he's very unsure about why he didn't want to become a priest and you know why, why he turned down this offer to uh to do that um and and that's something that i'm sure that a lot of people uh can relate to not not having not only this you know sort of uncertainty about uh where you want to go in life uh what what you want to do uh, what your calling is but also um may, maybe uh Maybe not everyone, but I'm sure a lot of people can relate to making a decision um, and then maybe not knowing why you made that decision, looking back and thinking, you know, I, I really can't. Yeah, I made that decision and I, you know, that's that's how I felt. But I, I really can't describe or understand or get my head around why that's the decision I made. Um, you know, maybe it's not as pronounced as, as Stevens where, you know, you kind of always dreamed about being a Catholic priest and then opted uh opted to not for some reason um but uh but i think that's something that a lot of people can relate to especially the uncertainty bit of it um and i i know personally i i can see myself a lot in in steven's character both the the more positive things um but also <laughs> some so some of the more b-hole things right like you know he he's definitely not uh he's definitely not perfect i, I think i don't think james joyce is you know trying to you know, pr present himself as this, um, you know, this this wonderful, uh, you know, idealized version of himself. Generally, uh, I, I can personally relate to things like um, moving away from home, seeking intellectual independence and maturity, that that sort of thing, um, in, in this story. Because uh, you know, Stephen, uh, for him, it's uh, moving away um, from Ireland uh, to uh, to the European continent. Um, and I'm pretty sure I, I was around the same age as Stephen slash James Joyce um, made his move when, when I moved from America to, to the UK um, for may, maybe not the same exact reasons. But th those things definitely play into it. And, you know, when, when you're reading about uh, someone talking about 
um, yeah, you know, I'm stuck in Ireland and, you know, I'm maybe not a huge fan of Ireland or the way that I, I can definitely relate to his, um, his, uh, the, the, the bitter taste that a lot of the Irish culture leaves in his mouth because, um, I, I can feel similarly sometimes about a lot of things in American culture and the way that Americans think and that sort of thing. Um, so that, that probably doesn't apply to everyone, uh, like some of the, uh, like the coming of age stuff, but I, I can definitely, I, I personally can see myself in him and, uh, in him, him making his decision that, yeah, you know, leaving Ireland is the best idea. Um, uh, as you know, I, I, I really, I, I should look this up actually. I, I should look up to see, um, what, uh, how, how old James Joyce was when he left Ireland. Okay, so it looks like uh, James Joyce would have um, left uh, in his early twenties, and and I was twenty, so uh, we're 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 right around the, the same area there. Um, he may have been slightly older, it looks like, but but yeah, right 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 around the same area. So that that's something that I can, I can personally relate to, um, and I and I know lots of people, you know, um, especially in the twenty first century, you know, move um, away from from their uh, from their birthplace and move away from their family and sort of, you know, are, are seeking more independence and, you know, getting away from a lot of the things that they may not like about where they grew up. So um, a, a lot of people can can relate to that. And I think if, if you've had that specific experience, you would really get a lot out of a portrait of the artist as a young man. Um, other things uh, specifically, um, I, there, there are lots of um, there, there are lots of passages um, uh, specific descriptions of um, Stephen's uh, internal life and you know his his, his thought processes uh, that that I can one very much relate to um, and you know see myself having you know had had similar mental states uh, but also are expressed far more beautifully and precisely than I ever could and you read something like that and you're just like yeah that's uh, <laughs> that, that that that's what's uh, that that's what that particular thing uh, feels like uh, if, if if only I had the capacity to describe it that way. Um, one of these, uh, I'm, just, I'm just going to read a sentence here, is, um, is uh, the, um, Stephen describing a frustrating cycle of the onset and then subsequent departure of inspiration, of, you know, artistic, um, poetic inspiration, right? Uh, so this is, this, is, uh, th this is how it's described. And, and again, um, uh, keep in mind that this is, this is written third person, right? So e even though this is, you know, a subjective, um, account um, of his, you know, in, internal uh, his internal life. Um, it, it, it's it's written in, in uh, third person. His thinking was a dusk of doubt and self mistrust, lit up at moments by the lightnings of intuition, but lightning so clear a splendor that in those moments the world perished about his feet, as if it had been fire consumed. And thereafter his tongue grew heavy, and he met the eyes of others with unanswering eyes, for he felt the spirit of beauty had folded him round like a mantle, and that in reverie at least he had been acquainted with nobility. Yeah, so uh, when I read that, I thought, yeah, no, that's that's exactly what it's like to be sort of struck by a light by a lightning bolt of of intuition of, of inspiration, and uh, I, I I couldn't possibly hope to describe it like that but but thank you james joyce for uh for experiencing that and then writing it down so so everyone else can be like yeah yeah i've i've, I've felt that and you know m maybe you haven't felt that specifically but there are plenty of those sorts of things where i, I guarantee you if you read this at some point you'll, you'll get to a passage and you'll say oh yeah no I've, I've totally i've totally felt that i've totally experienced that but there's no way that i could i could 
portray that or I could express that so precisely or so beautifully. And and that's what I think James Joyce does, which is incredibly, um, which, which is in- incredible that he expresses these sorts of things, these sort of very vague, amorphous, difficult to pin down mental states and feelings and emotions with a precision and a beauty. And as a philosopher, I, I, I do I do precision, right? If you know, give me give, give me a, enough words, you know, and I can you know formulate a very precise description of of a concept. Um, and then you know there are plenty of people who do beauty, you know, um, poets and, and that sort of thing, uh, you know, maybe lyricists uh, who um, are able to describe emotion, feeling incredibly beautifully, but. Oftentimes, if not most times, it's not very precise and maybe they're missing something or it doesn't quite, you know, you look at that and you say, oh, that's beautiful, but that doesn't quite hit it what I feel or, you know, what, what I think or how I experience it. Um, and it may, it may be a good personal description, but we, we can't all relate to that. What James Joyce does, which is um, incredibly remarkable, is that he does both. It has the precision and a beauty to it which um, don't aren't, aren't at tension with one another. In fact, that they complement one, one another. And uh, and and again, that's that that's that's something that's that's absolutely remarkable, um, and uh, a, an, another reason why 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 you should read a portrait of the artist uh, as as a young man. Um, yeah. <laughs> I realize as I'm saying that it sounds like you know like like Penguin was like, hey, you know, what, why why don't you talk and try to convince people to buy our book? Um, no, like I, I'm not I'm not being paid to. Uh, to, to do this trust me I, I wish that I was I was being paid to sit here and and ramble on um sing my song and so forth about um a book that I read and and was really moved by and was, was really good um yeah there's there's no conflict of interest there's no there's there's uh, no large corporation funding this um which, which is just too bad because that, that that that'd be great to do um yeah Finally, um, the, the, the last uh, sort of um, specific structural big picture thing um, that, that's, that's very interesting is that um, at the end, it switches from this, you know, fluid third person objective slash subjective narrative to a straight up journal, um, which is, you know, f- is first person um, fragments, you know, li- listed at a daily, um, like, like on a daily basis. Let, let, let me pull up the end here. So, you know, it'll be something like, you know, 21 March morning, you know, these is first person fragments. And the feel of it is completely different. There's a huge discontinuity between between everything else and the end. And it really strikes you because what I was expecting is for it to just keep going and then at the end have some absolutely beautiful ending. And um, I'd be like, oh, wow, that was, that was such a good book. And, you know, the, the way that James Joyce writes is incredible. But the, um, the, the journal bit that, that ends it is not written with the, the beauty and the poetry of, of everything else. So at first it can be quite a bit jarring. Um, but but that's, that's sort of the point, right? Because it represents a seismic shift in Stephen slash James Joyce's life. And, you know, there, there's a lot going on there, but it, I think it was a, a really good decision because not only does it kind of, you know, shake you awake a bit and um, it, it's not at all what you were expecting this this sort of uh, novel to end with, uh, but um, 
I I I think I I think I like it, and I, I think I agree with it. And I think the, the more I think about it, the more I dwell on it, the the more I like it. At first, I was kind of almost disappointed because I was expecting some sort of you know absolute masterpiece of of an ending. Um, you know, this is you know with uh, with an incredible shining beauty to it, and that's definitely not what you get. Uh, but uh, the, the the journal bit. Um, in its own right, is is an accomplishment, and it, given uh, structurally and thematically where where the novel is going, is, uh, is 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 really good. I think. I think maybe not, and and you could definitely disagree with me. I'm, I'm sure people disagree about that, or or may, maybe wish that it was different. Um, uh, yeah. So I think that's um, that, that, that's all the general things, all the, all the general thoughts. Uh, that, that I've got. Um, finally, or no, not finally, but but the the other thing I'm gonna I want to do is uh, talk a bit about um, some a couple specific things that jumped out to me that that had good impact for me. Um, the, the the first one is uh, the the family arguing um, about politics. Now, fairly early on, there's a scene um, which is actually over uh, Christmas dinner. With um, Stephen's family arguing about um, late nineteenth-century Irish politics, right? So on the face of it, it's incredibly obscure, and maybe it's cool um, from the sense that you know maybe you want to uh, learn about this, or it's you know it's interesting, an interesting time capsule, but it's not directly applicable. But I, the the structure of it and what's going on is still highly relevant today, and I was kind of almost struck by how not only relevant, but almost topical it is, um, given what's going on, what's going on in 21st century politics, especially in America. I, I don't think it's as relevant in, in the UK. Um, I, and I know nothing about Ireland, but in America, I can see, you know, if we were to change the names and the events and keep the same ideological underpinnings, um, we, we could very easily have a Republican v. Democrat debate with this, where you have your conservative, your, your very conservative uncle show up at, you know, in America, it's Thanksgiving instead of Christmas, but, you know, very similar uh, dynamic going on with, uh, you know, your, your, your hyper-conservative uncle, you know, who uh, is not politically correct uh, showing up and, uh, you know, your family just, you know, someone really getting into it with them. Um, and uh, that, that's, that, that's what happens here um, with uh, family members who have no ability slash desire to understand each other's perspectives. Um, and then specifically, you have a religious, uh, you've got a religious perspective versus a relatively secular perspective. Um, it's, uh, I say relatively secular because, you know, this still, this is still Ireland. And, um, as far as I can tell, you know, um, Stephen's dad is not, um, is not a hundred percent anti-church, uh, but he's very unhappy with a specific thing that the church did, which, you know, the, you know, um, if, uh, you're, you're talking, um, you're talking modern politics, you can very easily, uh, imagine, you know, having one of these, uh, Christmas, uh, dinners where, you know, um, or Thanksgiving dinners, I guess in America it generally is. Or at least that's the cliche, where you have, um, or you have someone talking about you know, the church. You know, the, the good things about the church when you respect the church, and you have another person saying, "Oh, yeah, this is, uh, you know, no, the, the, this is what the church. The church is bad. You know, the, or whatever." And and neither person really trying to come to a good conclusion or or trying to um, understand the other person's perspective or reach some common ground or anything. It's it's just about completely shitting on the other person. Uh, and, uh, that, that's what was going on in this debate. And I really, I, I thought it was really great that, uh, you, you can see this going on, um, in the, uh, in, in late 
19th century Ireland and early 21st century America, um, structurally, the, the discussion is very, very similar. Um, Oh yeah, at one point, uh, uh, Stephen's dad calls Ireland a priest-ridden, godforsaken race. And I can very easily imagine, especially if you if you live in the Midwest, you probably wouldn't use those exact words, um, but uh, you, you can think of someone on the more liberal side of things bemoaning the impact of the church, the effect of the church, how much political belief structures are based in the church. And, and the quite remarkable thing about that is, you know, from, you know, maybe from a Catholic perspective, uh, this has always been the case. But from a uh, from from a Protestant uh, evangelical perspective, uh, there is, you know, a long time where this wouldn't have been the case and where evangelicals were not a political voting block. And um, it's almost something that has come into relevance since what, like the mid 70s, uh, early 80s, uh, some somewhere in there. Um, and wouldn't have been uh, relevant previously if, if I were, you know, c coming from the same background, but doing this podcast in the mid 60s, I probably wouldn't look at this, um, you know, this political religious, you know, this religio political debate um, at Christmas dinner as being as relevant or applicable as I do now, because of the way the political landscape has almost brought this back into relevance. And again, I can't, I can't speak from the Catholic perspective, um, but at least from the Protestant perspective, this is a fairly new phenomenon that uh, mirrors a you know a, a much an older phenomenon incredibly well, and uh, that, that, that's something that, that really jumped out to me and, and something that I found very interesting um, about that. Uh, uh, oh, and, and then finally. Uh, the other thing about this that I find is highly effective is that this takes place fairly early on in the book. So uh, Stephen is still a, a fairly young child, and you see the political debate from the child's perspective of you know just not of of not understanding it, um, not knowing what's really going on, not not really having a horse in the race. I I, I can't recall exactly. I, I think that he probably favors his father in the, in the debate, um, but you know not not having a not having a real clear grasp of what's going on. And I feel like a lot of times when we watch people fight about politics, we can feel the same sort of, um, uh, the, the, not terror necessarily, but we, we can feel the same sense of dread um, and, and uh, um, uncomfortability that, that, that Stephen feels as a child. And, and, and looking at the, the political, this, this you know, political argument from, from the perspective of a child really brings a lot to it. And um, I, I think it's much more effective than if it had been, you know, um, a young adult, you know, like, like, like you know, if, if he was 18 when this was going on, it would not have had the same impact and would not have um, uh, ha, ha brought with it the, the same meaning and the, the same perspective. Uh, so I, I think that that, that was a really good choice. And when, when you look at that, you think, yeah, that's that that was a good idea. Good job, James Joyce. You uh, you're you're one smart cookie. OK, a couple other things. Um, oh, religion is a huge theme, a huge really. Re yep. Yeah, shit. I'm, no, not 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 doing a, not not doing a Trump impression. No, no. We're, we're going to cut that out. Yeah, religion is a huge theme throughout the book, which is unsurprising considering where this takes place and when this takes place, um, Catholicism specifically. And um, there are, you know, a couple huge things that um, really hit me and re really stood out um, uh, with respect to uh, religion and, and the way that <clears throat> religion is uh, is talked about in this. Um, uh, the, the, the first one 
is uh, the sort of um, incredible, uh, he does a really good job of um, describing and, um, and just, you know, writing out a, uh, a fire and brimstone style sermon, um, which is, is, is very, very good. Um, it's, it's, it's a time capsule. Um, we, we, we don't normally get that sort of stuff in, in mainstream Christianity anymore. And just reading that is, it's, it's absolutely remarkable. It's great. It's, it's fascinating. Anyone with any interest in religion, um, theology, any, any of that Catholicism, especially, um, needs to check it out just for the, um, this specifically, but also just the, the themes of religion and doubt and belief and sin and, uh, all of that. And there, there's some pretty deep theological stuff in this, which I'm not super, I'm not going to really going to go into because I'm not a Catholicism expert. Um, but it's definitely worth checking out. And I think if you were a Catholic reading this, you'd, you'd get a lot more out of that aspect of it than, than even I got out of it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, check that out. Um, but then something that really struck me, which I have not seen replicated um, nearly this well in any other um, novel, TV show, movie, um, just someone talking about it, whatever, is the... Um, the sort of Christian dread, the, this absolute all-encompassing horror that comes with um, the, uh, the, the the belief and the, the true um, bottom of your soul belief that you know sin separates you from God and that you're you're going to hell or you deserve you all, all of these things right that, that come with you know true christian belief and i feel like there's a lot of people out there who don't really get that feeling and who've not really experienced this dread this horror um because they because their their belief is on more of an intellectual level and, and doesn't quite go deep it doesn't penetrate their soul as much um which is you know just something that that happens a lot um I don't know if it's a modern phenomenon, but <clears throat> you can definitely see a lot of it in um, in, in uh, quote unquote believers today. Um, yeah, that, that's my that's my side rant, guys. Uh, um, yeah, side rant. Uh, Registered trademark of Podfinite Cast Unlimited. Anyway, <laughs> accompanying Christian dreads. Okay, so this dread. Um, uh, uh, James Joyce does an incredibly job, an incredibly good job, and you can tell that he felt it himself, obviously. Uh, but he does an incredibly job, incredibly good job of um, of expressing and getting down exactly what this feels like. And now there's there's a lot of it in here. Um, th this goes on for several pages, uh, but I'm just going to read uh, one one paragraph of this to um, sort of uh, I illustrate uh, my my point. Okay. And, and, and just, just to set the table, this is sort of after, um, so Stephen has listened to a real um, fire and brimstone, sin um, separates you from God, you know, what, all sins are equal. Well, I, maybe not all sins are equal, but, you know, every single one sin is enough, you know, to warrant um, eternal separation from God and all that that entails in, in, very, in, in very explicit detail. And so he's he's just experienced that, and it's really hit him. And uh, now, um, and now that's uh, he, he's dwelling upon that, and he, his soul is, is infected with with this um, this absolute existential dread. The next day brought death and judgment, stirring his soul slowly from its listless despair. The faint glimmer of fear became a terror of spirit as the hoarse voice of the preacher blew death into his soul. He suffered its agony. He felt the death chill touch the extremities and creep onward towards the heart. 
the film of death veiling the eyes, the bright centers of the brain extinguished one by one like lamps, the last sweat oozing upon the skin, the powerlessness of the dying limbs, the speech thickening and wandering and failing, the heart throbbing faintly and more faintly, all but vanquished, the breath, the poor breath, the poor helpless human spirit, sobbing and sighing, gurgling and rattling the throat. He, he himself, his body to which he had yielded was dying, into the grave with it, nailed down into a wooden box, the corpse, carry it out of the house on the shoulders of hirelings, thrust it out of men's sights into a long hole in the ground, into the grave, to rot, to feed the mass of its creeping worms, and to be devoured by scuttling, plump-bellied rats. So this passage uses death, uses this, this death fantasy as a way of expressing the, the feeling, the dread, the, the horror that, that comes with, um, that w- w- comes with uh, the soul being hit with the, the, the burden of realizing what sin entails, what death is, uh, what true death is, that, that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, and 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 when I read that, I, I was very struck because I had never read anything quite so powerful. And you know, it goes on for a while, but I, I never read anything quite so powerful or something that did quite, um, or even nearly as good of a job of um, conveying uh, what w- what that feeling is like. Uh, so um, that that's something. And th- there's a lot of things like that that I'm sure that you'll get a lot out of. Um, if uh, you know, if you come from a Christian background, especially a Catholic background, but 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 just in general, or if if you don't, um, you know, there, there's a lot that you know that uh, you, you can learn that you can you know pick up on. Um, it, it's really a window into the experience of not not just the person who professes belief, but the person who um, ha- has attained belief, right? The, the, the person who truly believes um, and and feels the dread and and the weight of sin and dot 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 everything everything that comes with it right now and finally um you know uh further on in the book because spoiler alert you know he he goes further on and um you know in his development and you know eventually you know um rejects and and moves away from uh catholicism and christianity and belief and that sort of thing uh so um at at the end something that really or towards the end something that, that really struck me too um, is uh, the impression of religion in the minds of former believers. There's, there's just a sentence um, that uh, the, um, uh, one of uh, Stephen is talking to a friend, and um, and uh, they're talking a lot about religion and you know you know post religion and basically you know um, Stephen is you know talking to his friend about um, his new found disbelief. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> um, and uh, one, one, one line really stuck out to me. And uh, that, that line is, um, uh, so, so his friend says, it is a curious thing, do you know, how your mind is super saturated with the religion in which you say you disbelieve. And, and and that that really struck me because that that I mean that that, that may not strike you strike you at all. You may think, okay, you know, what what on earth, you know, that, that that's a weird thing to quote, but um, but it, it really strikes me that that 
that the post-religious mind is um is or, or tends to still be very saturated with religion even i found even more so that the people who um uh often think most religiously and who have religion on the mind the most um and you know the almost the the, the literary qualities um the, the cultural qualities of religion are are the people who are who are post-religious right who have ultimately um rejected the church and that sort of thing and um i and i and i was really struck by that by how, how concisely and uh that, that that pins down that that sort of mindset um and i and i feel like that may be something that a lot of people maybe can relate to i don't know that that may just be the the throwaway uh quote for that you know you, you can um you know you, you can uh, get, get popcorn or, or whatever while i uh while i read that one all right so um that's i think that's that's going to do it for uh for today's podfinite cast talking about um uh, talking about james joyce's a portrait of the artist as a young man um so an absolutely absolutely remarkable novel um which blew me away and, I, and i'm sure you know there there's so many things that uh um that uh didn't really strike me that that would strike someone else reading it um from from their own perspective and so i i would really i really would encourage you to to pick it up and read it it's not a long read it's um, it's a moderately difficult read, I'd say. It's not. Um, it's not tremendously difficult, um, but but it, but it is not. You know, it's not like Harry Potter or anything like that. It's something that you definitely have to work at. You definitely have to pay attention to, and you know, it's, it's not a page turner, but it is well well worth the effort. Uh, so, yeah, um, that's uh, that's that's going to do it for uh, for Podfinite Cast today. I hope to do um, many more of these talking about. Um, talking about uh books both uh fiction and non-fiction um i uh what i'm working at, what i'm reading the 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 novel that i'm currently reading right now is um gravity's rainbow which uh i'm i'm not that far into yet but uh when i'm done with that one i will definitely have one of these for it which <laughs> promises to be much longer as that is about um three times the length of uh, portrait of the artist as a young man which which is it, it's not a long novel right so even um even if it may take a lo- little longer per page it's not gonna eat up you know several months of your time you know it's not like an infinite jester um or even a ulysses or anything like that because it, it is it is fairly short um e- even with end notes e- even with um some some of the denser passages in it um it's uh, it, it's it's not long it's it's very rewarding you know 10 out of 10 i, I cannot um, say enough in praise of this book. All right. Well, thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, um, be sure to, if you've got any uh, comments or anything, um, we're podfinitecast at gmail.com. Uh, shoot us an email uh, or uh, Twitter. I'm A underscore M underscore Bricker. Chose it because it's easy to say. Uh, great Twitter handle. Uh, tweet um, or uh, email if you have uh, any feedback anything to say at all or if you have something a specific topic that you think uh would would be good to uh talk about um very open to suggestions um and you know again podfinite cast uh is um very general topic in in which we'll talk about pretty much anything as long as we we find it interesting and um we feel like we have a um significant um and uh unique contribution to give to it Right. So as, as long as it fits that, as long as we're interested in it, as long as we think we have something meaningful to say about it, uh, we'll talk about it. So something you, you want us to talk about um, from the perspective of a uh, um, epistemologist, uh, 
or you know um in, anyone and anyone else who's gonna also be doing podfinite cast stuff um uh yeah L- let us know all right thanks for listening and goodbye